Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Kicking off this new mini-series here on Ordinary. Now, I want to kind of bring a little bit of emphasis on what am I talking about when I say unordinary, because none of us in this room, in order to be effective, can remain and be okay with being ordinary. There's not a single person in this room that can live ordinary lives and be effective in changing the world around them. Are you hearing me? I want to talk to your heart for a few moments. I don't have a... I don't have a a full-length sermon today, but I do have some thoughts that I want to share with you. And to be unordinary is to live with the end in mind. Come on, somebody. To live an unordinary life is to live with the end in mind. If you live with the right here, right now, you will live an ordinary life because guess what? You will care what people think. You will care what people say. You will care what people do. Now, do, do you fall into that? Because I think we all do to some extent. But what I'm saying is, if you care about those things more than the heartbeat of God, that's when you are going to force yourself to live an ordinary life. If living an ordinary life is okay with you, with the here and now, that will be your, men, your mindset. The here and the now. But the reality is those who want to live an unordinary life live for the end in mind. I know that giving to the church, I know that giving to missions, I know that giving my time on a Sunday morning, there's some people that are serving right now that are giving of their time, their minutes. And that, my friend, in the world's terms is weird. That's not ordinary that you would give your money and your minutes to something that says religion but I hope that you this morning have not seen religion in motion that you would see a relationship in motion with the Lord God Almighty are you with me that the goal here is not to establish a great religion, but to establish a firm relationship with the Lord Jesus. Here's what Ephesians 4 says, if you have your Bibles. Ephesians 4. I love this passage, and I want to read it, and I'm going to just start reading it, catch up when you get there, beginning of verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. Remember we talked about ignorance? The most ineffective churches are the ones that are ignorant to what is happening around them or misinformed or ill-informed, right? But because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, that's a little different. It goes deeper. It goes into saying, you know what? I see the problem, but I choose to harden my heart. That's a bad place to live at, church. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are fully 
and full of greed. And they, however, and that, however, is not the way that you have learned. Verse 21, when you heard about Jesus Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Watch this. I'm going to read a few more verses. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with your own hands. And they that have something to share with those in need, do not let any unwholesomeness and unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, for whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, watch this, to one another. You shouldn't have to tell the church, guys, be kind to each other. But that's exactly what he did, isn't it? Can you imagine Paul the Apostle's like wasting his time by telling the church, be kind to one another. And here's what he says, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. The passage, this passage that I just read to you could not get any further from unordinary. Like it just described everything that our culture is going through right here, right now. Is it, did it not? Turn on the news. Five minutes. You're going to see half the stuff inside of five minutes. Right on the news. In this text, the Gentiles are, are, are coming from a pagan background, just so you understand what's going on. Uh, and they brought with them the Christian life, to the Christian life, their baggage. So they come to Jesus and they're like, well, I have all these issues, Jesus. You know what he's saying? Leave the issues. The things that are bothering you, the things that you're holding on, let go. Now, does it happen overnight? No, it doesn't happen overnight. Not all the time. Not all the time. If I was to stand here and tell you it happens overnight, it happens right, I'd be lying to you. Because that sanctification process takes time, right? But guess what? The Christian life should not carry baggage from your old self. You're not refurbished. You're made new. But we live a refurbished redemption. Do you know the difference? I shared this before and I'll share it again. If you went to a store and you thought it was new and you bought it and you came home and then it said new, but you bought it and you realized somebody wrote on it, somebody used it, you will go back and say, this was used. And they say, no, it's new. You say, no, it was used. And they're like, oh, wait, it's refurbished. We forgot to put the sticker on it. You have to keep it now. No, 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 I don't. You labeled it new, it's not new. But if it was refurbished and you bought it, you would buy it with the understanding that it was used before. But you were, you were deceived. You wouldn't like that, would you? 
Nor should you like the idea of living your life with the baggage that was not intended to be lived in in the Christian life. You are made new. You're not refurbished. You don't have a refurbished redeemer. You don't have a refurbished redeemer. You have one that makes you new. And so Paul lists in this, let me share this with you for the next four hours. I want to tell you this really quickly. It's the unordinary that get God's attention. It's the unordinary that drives the heart of God to your place. Why? Because unordinary prayers get God's attention. I'm not trying to say ordinary prayers don't. But I'm saying something grips the heart of God when you pray like someone who's trying to do something unordinary. Dream Center, unordinary. That is unordinary. And I'm going to try to share with you the art of it. And here it is. Are you ready? We're conformed by external pressure oftentimes. And let me share with you just a few thoughts really quickly because I need you to understand something. Jesus, his whole ministry was unordinary. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. There was a woman in John chapter 4 who went during the day when it was the hottest time and she decided that's when she's going to get water at the well. The hottest time, over 100 degrees, blatant sun is beaming down and here's this woman who decided, I'm going to go where nobody else is going. Why? Well, we don't know till later when Jesus starts to have a conversation with her and he says to her, and she says, I have no husband. He goes, you're right when you say you have no husbands. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. She'd been window shopping for a long time. She'd been looking, trying to find peace and hope and joy and purpose. She's trying to find all these things. And church, let me, let me make this very clear to you. Jesus was unordinary in every way. Because here is a Jewish man walking up to a Samaritan woman who at the time there was race wars. Not that we know anything about that in America, but, right? Yeah. So about that, um, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. In fact, Jews that needed to get to a destination and was in the other side of Samaria, they would walk, they would soon further walk around Samaria than walk through it and be contaminated by those Samaritans. And what did Jesus do? Here's this woman who we later find out had five husbands, broken relationships, divorces, whatever that looks like. And here she is, now she can't even commit. And Jesus offers himself as the seventh man in her life, the number of perfection. He says, give me a glass of water. She's sitting there and she says, you want me to give you water? Unordinary. Unordinary. She asked him a question. Why? Because it wasn't ordinary for a Jewish man to ask him. And if he drank from that vessel that she gave, he would also be ceremonially unclean. Right? If you didn't know that, now you know. 
he would now be had to go through a cleansing process. But he stands there and he maybe even sits there along with this woman. And he says to her, would you give me a drink? And she looks at him like, do you know who you're asking? Do you know who it is that you're talking to? And then he responds in true Jesus form. Are you ready? Do you even know who's asking you? Right? Answering a question with a question. I got to try that. <laughs> Have you washed the dishes? Are there dishes? <laughs> That's a freebie for the men. <laughs> Have you made the bed? How comfortable is that bed? Back to the story. Jesus was unordinary. He asked this lady, nobody else would talk to, for a glass of water. There was a leper, stained by the community. Nobody would touch them. In fact, in order to even hear the preaching, you had to be in a separate room, and nobody would enter just to hear the scriptures. That'd be like carving a hole in this wall and saying, you can't come in here. You can listen to the word outside this wall through that hole there. You would say, that's just wrong. That's the culture. That's what Jesus was dealing with. Just like us. There's a lot of things wrong here, right? And Jesus deals with it. And he went to the leper, touched the leper, and made him whole. Why? Because he is an unordinary God who does unordinary things for a very broken people. So who cares about the ones that no one else cares about? Let me share this final thought here for a moment as I kind of put this into a capsule for you. I got a lot to share, and I'm going to share it next week. But here's my thought. We look at this text that I'm going to bring out to the surface for just a moment, one particular area. And let's look at verse 29. Can we look at that for a moment? Can I talk to you, believers? Can I talk to you like a pastor? Because ordinary people share what pleases the flesh. Unordinary people share what kills it. If you could just grasp for a moment, can I talk about social media for a moment? I am absolutely floored as to what Christians consider okay to share. This is the truth. Floored. And I am embarrassed for the church. But I didn't say it. Yes, you did. The moment you shared it, you did. Friend, if Christians could grasp the significance of what you share on social media as being your words, and by, listen, it could be an inspirational thought. 
But if it comes from a website that's not inspirational, just as bad. Just I don't care how wonderfully inspirational it is. You say, Pastor Tony, why are we talking about that? Because Paul took the time out to tell the church, do not let unwholesome talk. Let me, let me put it in 2019. Do not let unwholesome tweets come out of your mouth. Right? Friends, it's disgusting. And as your pastor, I'm telling you, be very cautious what you pass on and what you watch and what you listen to and what is okay to post. I'm not going to get on a kick of that, but I need to for a moment because you are representing the king of kings and you look ordinary when you're serving an unordinary God. If you're going to live a life that's unordinary, stop sharing and stop putting out what the ordinary world does. And if I step on your toes, you're welcome because I'm trying to step on your toes in light of not allowing you to fall into a hole that will never, ever, ever end. I'm stepping on toes so that you don't fall into this unending pit of garbage that our world has seemed to deem okay. It is not okay for believers to share what I'm seeing online. Not just you, friends. I have friends that I went to school with. Listen, Bible school graduates, ministry people, Christians all around the world sharing stuff, and they, hey, it's just a joke. No, frankly, the way you see Christianity is a joke. Friend, we got to think deeper than the shallow Christian world. We got to think that there are souls that are dying. Can you ingrain those pictures in your mind for a moment of someone addicted, hunched over, and we're busy tweeting garbage? Let's go about the Father's business. Let's put on the full armor of God. And I heard this thought real quickly, and I want to share this. When we talk about the uh, armor of God and the armor, notice that one thing is the armor of God, and I, and I just heard this recently. The armor was just the front. Why? Because uh, warriors don't turn their back on the enemy. Number two. We often see the sword that they talked about in the scriptures as a long sword. And while some of them may have had that, the Roman swords were actually shorter swords. So that when the fiery darts that would make it through the, and penetrate through somehow, if they would hit you, you could be able to dig it out. And what do you dig out the stuff that hurts you? With the word of Fiery darts will come. And they will hit you from time to time. You need to dig the stuff out with the word. And it hurts. But my friends, nothing hurts more than standing before God. And he says, I never knew you. You want to talk about hurt? Look at me. That's hurt. That's pain. When God himself says, I never knew you. But we cast out demons. We did all these wonderful. I never knew you. Listen. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Read it yourself. It was not for non-believers. Friends, don't even try to use that for non-believers. It was not. 
In your name have we not cast out devils? In your name have we not done many wonderful works? He said it to them. I never knew you. Is it possible that we can do things that honor God in the flesh but dishonor him in the spirit? Nevertheless, the Bible warns us as believers, watch what comes out of your mouth because that, my friends, will define whether you are ordinary or unordinary. How many believe what I'm saying? Listen, I know that was a hard one to grasp, but listen, when we talk about missions, we're talking about unordinary commission. And next week, I'm going to talk about what that looks like, walking and talking and figuring this Christian, ordinary Christian life, what that looks like. Amen? So I'm going to ask you right now to pray with me right where you're at. Can you do that? Father, I pray in Jesus' name, may everything that we do picture the unordinary as we serve a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want us for a moment... I want, you to sh- I want you to throw up that picture again of that, the man that was hunched over and the lady that was hunched over. I need, I need you to see that for a moment, if my media team can help me out. Go ahead, team. You can start just playing lightly in the background here. I need, I need your full attention for this. I need minimal moving if possible. And I wanted to bring these pictures because these are the pictures that stood out to me when I watched and I looked online and I said, This is the picture of people that need unordinary faith. Look at me. Ordinary church-going people can't reach them. If you go to church on Sunday, and that's the only time God is in your life, look, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're somewhere. That's great. But when you stand before this person, they say, why should I choose your God? You don't have a reason. Ordinary people don't have a reason for their hope. Unordinary people spend time with the Savior. And they say, let me tell you why. This thing that has caught you does not have to take you. It caught you. It got you. But it doesn't have to take you. Let me take you to a place that offers real living hope these people you know I dare to believe that these people had a living hope once a a purpose even if it wasn't Jesus you hear what I'm saying they had a hope that was alive when they were kids if we could flash back and pull up their picture when they were in kindergarten if we were to pull up his picture I don't know his name. I don't know her name. But if we put their picture from kindergarten next to their face right now, you would say, they were so cute. They were so innocent. They're so full of hope. So full of purpose. Something got to them. 